2: Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Packaday updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And remember, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And you can check us out over at CheeseHeadTV.com. I am Kyle Fellows, and I am back with my co host, Andrew Mertig. Andrew, welcome. It is good to be back for another Friday edition of the podcast.
3: Yeah, absolutely great to be back, Kyle. I know there does tend to be a little bit of negativity regarding the team on Twitter and social media and, you know, across the the news bandwidth, but the the Packers are having an incredible season. I think we need to just stop, take a second, maybe ignore the issues or the perceived issues at wide receiver and linebacker and defensive line and just enjoy this run no one expected green bay to be six and one matt lafleur seems to be unifying the team which is just incredible for a 38 year old first time head coach aaron Rodgers just had a historic performance on sunday so this is a pretty awesome time to be a fan and i gotta say a lot more
2: fun than we were having at this time last year doing the podcast Yeah, last year we were definitely digging for positives, trying to trying to just hold our heads up high and make it through the season, and just we were embracing the fact that we were entering a time of transition in Green Bay, and that is. Certainly not the case this year. Lots of exciting things happening, and as you said, there are some issues on this team. Um, but you're digging for those a little bit more this year than you were last year. Every team's going to have you know roster holes and those kinds of things to figure out throughout a season, especially with injuries. But man, it is a fun time to be a Green Bay Packer fan uh, this season. And so uh, we're just going to uh, keep talking about this. We're back with another great episode today. And uh, before we get into any of our content. Um, ...for this week's show, we wanted to announce something we talked about last week. We, we announced that we would be giving away a Pack-A-Day t-shirt to one lucky listener... ...who could respond with the correct answer to a trivia question about something in last week's ep- episode. And we had 15 people respond with correct answers on Twitter. Uh, so shout out to all of you who participated in that. And Andrew, because he is nothing but an honest and trustworthy man, used some kind of technology... Uh, which I do not understand, to randomly select our winner. And so, Andrew, I know we've already let the cat out of the bag here on Twitter, but would you like to officially do the honors of congratulating our winner on the podcast? Yeah, it's actually called a
3: randomizer, Kyle. Uh, okay. Pretty, pretty, pretty straightforward. <laughs> it just takes a, a set of information and then randomizes it. So, you know appropriately named but yeah. a big congratulations to anthony cordova who is at dova zero one three one on twitter for winning the contest anthony told me um in in the message when when he sent me his address to mail out the shirt that he listens every week so a shout out to him You should be listening to this episode, hopefully. And a huge thank you to everyone who listens. And if you aren't following us on Twitter, you should, because you never know when we might be giving out prizes. So um, that's at Packer underscore Pundit for Kyle
2: and at Andrew Mertig for myself. Absolutely. We love any feedback. Shameless plug, absolutely. We do love interacting uh, with all of you, our listeners, and hearing how you're feeling about how the team's doing and, of course, giving us uh, grief for our random takes that we have here on the podcast um, over the many episodes that we've had. But today we do want to turn our attention to Week 8 and the key matchups in this week's game against the Kansas City Chiefs. And if you've been listening to Andrew and I on Fridays, you know that key matchups and X-Factors has been one of the themes of our many shows. And so we're going to keep doing this because every game script is so different depending on the matchups. And so we know the Packers have the Chiefs this week. So let's go ahead and start by looking at some of the matchups that the Packers' offense We'll have to keep an eye on this week as they prepare for Andy Reid and his Chiefs team. Yeah, the thing that stuck out to me most about the Packers'
3: offense versus Kansas City defense was the Packers' offensive line versus the Kansas City pass rush, or at least their defensive line as a whole unit. We knew coming in the year Frank Clark was going to be really good and Chris Jones was going to be really good, and those guys all by themselves would be a heck of a unit to have to handle. So say what you want about the rest of this Chiefs defense, but those two players are very good. But Alex Okafor, the the former Texas uh, linebacker, defensive lineman um, in, from, from college, a guy I really liked coming out of the draft, has has really emerged this year as a, a really solid edge player. And, and they've turned into a pretty good pass rushing trio. And the Packers offensive line may be the best unit in all of football. So this should be an excellent matchup. I, I believe one of the Packers' keys to success is going to be getting the running game going. So the offensive line is going to be tasked with opening up lanes for Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and a side note, a, a massively underrated attribute to the offensive line success so far has been Matt Lafleur's play calling. That play action has been a major factor in giving the offensive lineman extra time and allowing them to get set for those pass rushers. And then the screen game and quick passes force those pass rushers to slow up and stay in the rush lanes. It's really kind of a well-oiled machine on offense right now, and I will certainly be watching to see if the momentum can continue on Sunday night.
2: Yeah, for sure. And Andrew mentioned that the Packers O-line might be one of the best in football. And we sing the praises of guys like Brian Balaga and David Bakhtiari, and rightfully so. Uh, But the interior guys have been really good this year as well. Actually, ESPN just put out a piece that drew attention to the fact that Corey Lindsley and Elton Jenkins both rank at the very top of their position groups in pass-blocking win rate. Uh, That's obviously really impressive to be ranked atop that list. But it's extra impressive for a guy like Jenkins, who is a rookie and playing absolutely out of his mind. And having this O-line is certainly a huge luxury and a reason that the offense has been so successful, especially in recent weeks. But um, I would like to turn my attention to talking about a matchup that I'm going to have my eye on this week. And that's the Packers wide receivers against the Kansas City DBs and specifically their cornerback group. Um, I was a huge proponent of re-signing Bashad Breeland this past offseason. season. I really didn't trust the health of Kevin King, and I thought Breeland showed enough to be a solid player for the Packers, uh, maybe even to be a CB2 for them next to Jair. And Jair maybe made some comments about wanting Bashad back as well. Um, but it looks like we were all wrong, because the Chiefs are the team who paid Breeland, and he is not. Playing well thus far this year, and it's really not a small sample size either. Breland has played 465 snaps this season and is one of PFF's worst graded corners. He literally only grades out higher than just about a dozen qualifying corners, and so I'm curious to see how the Packers exploit him and the other Kansas City corners um, with the wide receiver group that Green Bay has that I think in my estimation is still probably going to be without Devontae Adams. Uh, It would absolutely be awesome to have him back. But I think we're going to get one more week of Lazard and Kumaro and MBS. And I think that this is a great matchup for these young wide receivers to continue to grow against And I know that I've only talked about Breland, and I guess Shavarius Ward has played pretty well, but none of the Kansas City corners, they're not guys that really scare you. Uh, In fact, you could make an argument that the Chiefs' best coverage player has actually been rookie safety Juan Thornhill, who many Packers fans really liked in the draft this spring. Uh, but I think that this is a group that can be exposed, and I think it's a group that a red-hot Aaron Rodgers coming off a career game will be more than ready to exploit. And so I'm excited to continue to see the growth of these young receivers on Sunday against this Kansas City uh, defensive back group.
3: Yeah, and I, I— would totally echo your point there. I am excited to see how MVS and Alan Lazard and Kumaro follow up their performance against the Raiders where they were really good. Granted, Oakland's cornerback group also really bad, yeah. um, but they they stepped up and and they showed something in that game. And maybe we get to see Ryan Grant's debut in this one. I think that's a legitimate possibility. At at any rate, I don't think the Chiefs secondary is particularly good. So this is going to be another opportunity to allow the young wide receivers to take advantage of Aaron Rodgers' undivided attention before Devontae's inevitable
2: return. Yeah, absolutely. We can't wait to get Devontae back, but it has been really fun to see the development of these young players through that process. Uh, But let's go ahead and look at some matchups on the defensive side of things. What pieces of this Kansas City offense do you think that Green Bay is going to need to pay attention to? And uh, what matchups stick out to you when you look at the Packers defense? Before I jump into this, I, I really think
3: that a lot of Packer fans have been upset or disturbed or, like, highly concerned about the defense's performance at times during this year, right? Like, there there have been games where it seems like the Packers' uh, defense just can't get off the field. They can't stop anything. Certainly against Oakland, there were a lot of yards put up. And so, you know, that that can come off as concerning. So, I, Kyle, in your opinion— Who is the best defense in the league last season?
2: Last season? Putting you on the spot here. I would say last season off the top of my head. I think Chicago had just a dominant group and it was hard to go in there and think that you're going to be able to run your offense the way that you want to. I think the times that we saw teams having success against Chicago, they put very specific game plans together because that was just a dominant group that was really, really hard to beat. But I don't know. Who would you say if you had? To I was pick trying
3: it? to lead you to that answer. So I'm okay. so glad you said <laughs> Chicago, but I just want, I just want to talk about three games against the bears defense last year. The Patriots put up 38 points against that vaunted Chicago defense. Okay. So yeah. it's new England. You assume Belichick came up with some great scheme. Tom Brady, of course, is right. one of the best quarterbacks of all time. That's understandable. How about this? The Chicago Bears gave up 31 points to the Miami Dolphins. Wow. That's something that you're excited (laughs) about? That was a Brock Osweiler-led Miami Dolphins team. And then how about this? In week 13 of last year, the Chicago Bears gave up 30 points to the New York Giants, who didn't have any wide receivers. No. Okay, so this stuff happens, right? We, we would agree that Chicago bears defense last year was great. And they still had games like that. Um, and I, I, I don't say that to, you know, compare green Bay's defense to Chicago's of, of last year, but sometimes you have games like that. And, and Mike Petton's scheme is oftentimes allowing teams to get some of those, those chunk yards, um, but really limiting them when they get in the red zone. And so far they've been highly successful. So I'm not overly concerned at this point about their performance. Certainly you'd like to see him clean some things up, but I think that's what we're going to hit on when we talk about the Packers defense against Kansas city's offense. So we're going to get deprived of the generational quarterback talents going against each other. I I, I know Pat Mahomes, everybody's really optimistic <laughs> that he might, be, but, it, but it, he's it,
2: practicing it, Andrew. He's practicing. It's not gonna happen.
3: <laughs> You can tweet at me if I'm wrong. And it's it's everybody not going to I, I would actually enjoy that. But I'm going to go with the other really fun matchup in this game, and that is Tyreek Hill against Jair Alexander. And, you know, yeah, Tyreek is kind of a garbage human being, but he is a heck of a receiver. And the common perception is that Jair will need safety help over the top all day. And Pett might just do that. But the assumption going against the Rams last year was that Jair would need help against Brandon Cooks. And then Alexander had his best performance of the year. That's one of the things that I really, really love about Jair. His confidence makes him actually look forward to these types of matchups instead of shying away from them like some other players. And I'm at least partially convinced that Patton is just going to let Jair take Tyreek one-on-one and focus the rest of the defense's attention on guys like Travis Kelsey and those other weapons that can beat
2: you to death if you focus too much attention on one side of the field. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that for us going into this game, I think we expect that Tyreek is going to have his game. He's going to do the things that he does. And that's going to be a place where Jair is a player that, you know, he's a good corner. And so, you know, that at a minimum, he's going to slow the success of Tyreek Hill and those kinds of things. But I think it's only upside from there that, like like you said, when you went into the Brandon Cooks game and we thought, you know, that was going to be a tough matchup, there's still a chance that on Sunday we might actually get shut down Jair Alexander, and how awesome would it be if he was able to take Tyreek Hill out of this game um, and how that would just completely alter this. So that is one that you definitely want to keep an eye on because it could be really fun as a Packers fan to see that happen. Um, But I am going to be watching to see how the Packers defense plans to slow down Travis Kelsey. Um, obviously the Packers expect to be facing Matt Moore on Sunday and not Patrick Mahomes, like we said. Um, that's what's going to happen. We can pretend that Mahomes is going to be out there. Maybe we'll all be shocked, but uh, it's, it's not going to happen. And, uh, it, it certainly helps that Mahomes is not out there, but after last week and the way that Derek Carr, who is Derek Carr, continually connected with Darren Waller over and over again, I think it's I think it bears asking, how does Green Bay plan to defend the tight end? Because as good as this defense has been at times, last week it appeared that they had no answers for Waller. And it's not like Waller was a surprise, right? The Raiders were playing Trevor Davis and a bunch of no-name receivers. And I give Trevor Davis the benefit of the doubt there and not listing him in the no-name receiver category. Uh, So those are your receivers. So you knew that Waller was the guy that you probably would have to key on, and it seemed like they just couldn't stop him. So obviously Travis Kelsey, and he is and has been one of the top receiving tight ends in the league for years, and with a backup quarterback who might prefer to have that safety net of a short connection to the tight end. I think it's going to be really worth watching to see how the Packers plan to slow Kelsey and hopefully improve on a game plan um, of last week that we saw with Waller. Yeah, and
3: certainly Travis Kelsey is a major concern for every team that plays against the Chiefs. But the Packers have been victim to enough huge tight end performances over the last few years that it is going to be at the top of the mind of many fans. And I have no idea what their strategy is going to be, because I was totally wrong. I thought they would just focus in on Waller last week, and they didn't. But Darnell Savage was a top-notch slot corner in college in in addition to being a really good safety. So maybe he's an option to take on Kelsey if if Savage is back.
2: Yeah, definitely. We could see that. We could see all kinds of different things. We've seen Amos in, in that role this year. Um I've actually liked the the little bit that we've seen the pass from Josh Jackson, I'd love to see him get a little bit more time and maybe them just try to find a role for, for him because he can't seem uh, to stay on the field in, in other capacities. But uh, let's move on here. Uh, we've taken a look at some of the matchups that are going to play a huge role in how this game plays out on Sunday afternoon. But let's talk about some X factors. Uh, These are guys that we think will play a huge role in the game, but maybe on the surface we would not expect that to be the case. So, Andrew, last week you picked Aaron Jones, and he certainly redeemed himself with that spectacular end zone catch. Um, I will not reveal who my X-Factor was from last week's episode because uh, it's not important, but uh, who is your X-Factor for this week? Yeah, I went with the really obvious last week, and you know, Aaron Jones
3: didn't have a particularly uh, overwhelming statistical day, but he he had that awesome catch uh, for Aaron Rodgers' first touchdown. And um, this week, I'm gonna I'm gonna swing for the fences. I'm gonna make a wishful pick. I think Oren Burks is going to have a big role in this game. B.J. Goodson has been playing a lot of minutes and playing them quite admirably. However, Burks possesses a skill set that no one else on the Packers have. And they are going to need his athleticism from that linebacking unit to win this game. The Chiefs have a great short passing game, and that's been Andy Reid's forte for a very long time. And so not only do you have to deal with Travis Kelsey and then, of course, the talent that they have on the outside, but their fleet of running backs. They have LaShawn McCoy and, like, eight different guys with the last name Williams. Can't keep (laughs) them straight. Wouldn't draft them in fantasy because I don't know what the difference between them is. (laughs) But... They will hit you with the quick passes all day long if you do not take it away from them. And actually, they probably invite you to try to take it away, and then they're going hit to you, hit you with a little bit longer passes. But the Packers need their linebackers to step up and take that element away from Matt Moore, or at least stop them at, at first contact and not let them get all of those yak yards. Because the longer Matt Moore has to hold on to the ball, the better the chances Green Bay has to win. And I think Oren Burks is probably in a make or break part of his career. And this game is going to give him one of those
2: opportunities to prove himself to Mike Patton. Yeah, so it's interesting that you picked Oren Burks because he was actually on my list of players that I thought about for this. And I looked up some of his stats, and the Packers have kind of been slowly easing him back in. His snap count has gone up a little bit. Um, I think there's a little bit of a wave to it, but mostly it's an incremental climb of snaps over the last couple of weeks. He's been playing a lot of special teams, um, but we've seen that he's been slowly introduced. And I think the way that uh, B.J. Goodson has played, um, at least at times, making impact plays has kind of slowed. Maybe they need to get him back on the field. But you're right, Oren Burks is a totally different kind of athlete, a totally different kind of impact that he can have on the game. Um, and I'd love to see him do exactly what you're hoping that he does on Sunday. And, and now that I'm thinking about it, they may actually be
3: building him up to this kind of role, knowing that you have Kansas City this week and then um, Los Angeles next week. I almost said San Diego Ooh, caught <laughs> myself. Um, with Austin Eckler um, and, you know, Melvin Gordon being more of a threat uh, as a pass catcher than, you know, like Josh Jacobs was a grinder. So it made all the sense in the world to play more B.J. Goodson. So mm-hmm. perhaps they were trying to get him healthy, get his confidence up and and get him ready
2: for these two weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And he's definitely kind of a player Burke says that this team is missing and so if they can find him on their roster This year, that would be a need that they wouldn't need to address in the offseason to get that kind of athlete on the field. They could help with the running backs. They could help with the tight ends that we've talked about. So that would just make this defense so much better than it already is. So would hope to see that from Burks on Sunday, as Andrew has said. Uh, But I'm really excited about the return of Darnell Savage. And since it looks like the Packers get him back in this game, I'm going to predict that he has a big impact on this game. I think he's going to be dying to get back on the field after what was a really, really strong start to his rookie year, a start that had many people mentioning him in defensive rookie of the year conversations. Uh, but I think his instincts and his reaction time combined with Matt Moore, probably a quarterback, and optimally a Matt Moore that is playing from behind is a really, really great combination. And so I think Savage has a great return to action. And I'm actually going to, to predict, which I don't always do this, but I'm going to predict a late game interception for Savage in this one as Matt Moore overthrows a receiver and gives Darnell Savage the opportunity uh, to get back on track and continue his great rookie season.
3: Yeah, and I absolutely love that pick and, and I'm totally on board and if, if I didn't know that you were going to pick Savage, I would have picked him. too. <laughs> he, he's just such a difference maker. And even as a rookie where, you know, certainly he, he's not playing up to the potential that we all expect him to have in a few years. Um, even as a rookie safety in the NFL, he has been super impressive. His, his speed, his instincts, they just make a lot of difference. They, they change a lot of the angles um, of this defense. And he's such a perfect complimentary piece to Adrian Amos that uh, I just can't wait for him to be back. And I hope he comes back hundred percent healthy and he can, he can be there the rest of the year. Cause that is a big, big deal for this defense. So yeah. we made it, we, we made it through our offense and our defensive breakdowns. We made it through our X factors. And um, I just wanted to talk about something totally ridiculous. And if you want to shut me down, Kyle, feel free but we've heard all of these trade rumors, right? Like we heard about Emmanuel Sanders, we've we've heard about AJ Green. Um some of the, none of those things are going to happen. AJ Green's not I don't think he's getting traded at all, but certainly the Packers aren't going to invest a a you know, third or second round pick into a guy who isn't even healthy at the moment. So I was thinking who is somebody that the Packers could trade for? And there's been some talk this week on the podcast about defensive players, but I wanted to stick to the offensive side of the ball. And I was thinking about all of the teams that are out of the playoff um, picture already and who do they have and who's somebody on that team that might be an attractive trade piece for your green Bay Packers. I'm super
2: intrigued, Andrew. So tell me,
3: I was, I was thinking and I came up with nobody and then fate (laughs) would have it that my friend Isaac texted me about an hour before we recorded. And he said, why don't the Packers just trade for Robbie Anderson? And it got me to thinking Robbie Anderson. I, and I know he's, he's thinking with self-interest in mind because we co-manage a fantasy football team where we have Robbie Anderson and uh, nice. he has not been good. Uh, <laughs> but New York isn't going anywhere this season. Aaron Rodgers has not had a weapon with the speed of Anderson probably ever, at least not with that kind of talent. And I looked it up. He's actually in the last year of his contract. So with impending free agency, if the Jets don't see him as a long-term piece in their plans, they might be willing to part with him for a mid-round pick. And somebody who could really stretch the field on play action alongside of MVS would be really, really interesting in this scheme. Um, we've seen, you know, the the Rams have a ton of success with a, a small, quick, receiver actually they have a couple um we've we've seen the the falcons have success with that too um with some of their shiftier guys that have played alongside of julio so it's not out of the realm of possibility and it was it was a name i had not heard of at
2: all in this whole process all right andrew so i'm gonna go totally off the cuff here and i'm gonna say some crazy things okay and uh i don't know if i should be held accountable for these things because they're just Coming out of my mouth. But for me, I am just going to go back to the Arizona Cardinals because the Arizona Cardinals know that they're, they're not going to be a team that's going to go very far this year or next year. They're, they're in a building mode, right? And so Patrick Peterson is always the guy that I come back to, mostly because I just feel like Patrick Peterson deserves to be somewhere where he can maybe win. And I know that the Packers don't have an immediate need for corner, we like Kevin King on one side and Jair on the other. And Tremont has been incredible in the slot. But, man, I just I think we are one injury away from being a serious drop-off to maybe your next contributor at corner. And I know it may cost a lot to get someone like Patrick Peterson, uh, but he's still a guy that I would love, love, love to see in a Green Bay uniform that I think would be just an intimidating duo if you had he and Jair on the field at the same time. And then David Johnson is a guy that has been floated in trade rumors just because they're like, you know, he's a running back and we can replace that. And we could probably get a lot for him. I don't know that I'd be excited to give up the capital that it would probably get to, have david johnson especially when you have aaron jones and jamal williams i don't know that the packers need it uh, but that's a name that i've seen pop up a couple times and i'm like that that would be an interesting one that you don't see connected to the packers a whole lot so those are my uh, crazy rumblings from the desert i guess if we're going to talk about <laughs> the arizona cardinals and what could come from out there those are both really
3: interesting and again we're just spitballing and you know likely none of these things happen but Patrick Peterson is a guy and and I've seen a lot of people talk about him and unfortunately injuries have been a part of his career the last few years but he he does seem to possess the skill set to be a little bit more of a chess piece as he gets older so if if Teams are concerned about, you know, maybe him losing a step and not being able to be that elite outside corner. Um, you know, he does have the the size and versatility to maybe play a little bit um, of safety or maybe a little bit of that that hybrid yeah. role. Um, David Johnson, of course, man. But besides his running ability, yeah. that receiving ability would just be
2: unreal. Can you imagine, like? Again, I can't imagine giving up the trade capital to make it happen. But can you imagine running formations when you have Aaron Jones and David Johnson both in the backfield, like for just even like one season? Like that would be insane.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, and and you know, I am by no means an offensive uh, expert, but some of the formations that get me really excited when I'm watching live, and you know, if somebody's with me or I'm at the game, I'm like, hey, 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 look at that. Is is when they they line up Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones both in the backfield next to Rodgers, yeah. mm-hmm. and then he motions one of them out because I know that second Rodgers knows if it's man, yeah, and whoever is covering it's usually Aaron Jones in motion. That is a mismatch immediately because it's never it's never who you want to be covering Aaron Jones if you're a defense. So yeah, it, I mean Jamal Jamal Williams is at a heck of a year,
2: but a guy with the skill set of a, a David Johnson, that would, that would be Just freaky, crazy. And I think the the running back group in general, coming into this, this year as from a fanny per, fantasy perspective, which is not necessarily what we're talking about here. Um, but I don't think anybody would have predicted that you could have, sustained two guys like Jamal Williams. I have friends who are starting Jamal Williams in their league every week and just knowing that he's still getting enough to make him fantasy viable. And so that's really interesting that we have gotten – um kind of the free Aaron Jones movement has come to life we've seen that and it's been fun but we also have Jamal Williams contributing in a big way so um again love those guys don't think that they need to be replaced but man you plug in a guy like David Johnson I mean we're just playing hypotheticals here but it could be a lot of fun to watch well and I
3: said it on Twitter and I said it on last week's podcast Matt LaFleur has to be looking at his buddy Uh, Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco and seeing what he's doing with that fleet of running backs and just think to himself, like, Hey, I could add another guy. Um, mm-hmm. that that he would find a way to u- utilize somebody with that kind of skill set. So maybe it's not David Johnson. You know we've heard of Kenyon Drake. Uh, mm-hmm. there's there's rumors of all sorts of veteran running backs being available at the trade block. And so maybe it's somebody else, but that that's an intriguing option to
2: look at that's outside of that kind of stereotypical wide receiver market. yeah. Absolutely. And we saw how quickly the Packers got to Trey Carson this year. And so right now it feels good. But especially when you're thinking about a playoff run and, you know, shooting for the Super Bowl, uh, you're only an injury away from maybe needing that other guy that could come in and, and be an upgrade over what Trey Carson was for sure. Excellent. Well, that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packaday
3: Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit, and you can find me at Andrew Merzig. Remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. Tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by Jason and Paul, and they'll be giving us an update on the injury report for Sunday's game, and you can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. We're going to be back next week for another show as we get ready for the for week 9 and the Los Angeles Chargers thanks for listening and as always remember go, hey, go.